with Jeff Boggs. Phone lines are open. Reach out and touch Jeff at 367-1240. 29 minutes after 11 o'clock, our Mellow Joy Coffee Time. As we welcome back to the show, Richard Bear over at Bear's Garden Center. And it's funny, yesterday we were talking, uh, I was having a conversation with somebody about how many hummingbirds would it take to make a decent gumbo? And can you catch them here? You bring a... I bring in the, um, a something, is... something to attract the hummingbirds. Exactly, exactly. You can't make so, a gumbo without the hummingbirds. I mean... you got to start somewhere. you got to get them around. And, uh, but the hummingbirds are starting to come around yeah as and they really are fun to watch man if you can attract them and they, they really are fun to watch even for the kids but even adults they love love to uh to uh to watch them feed and it just uh they're fun to watch and very do they, interesting do they do uh, apart from enjoying watching them do they eat any insects or something that they, makes them good to have around as well they do yeah they do I, apparently they'll sw- they'll airborne <laughs> I mean, they, they move so fast, and they'll just pick them out of the uh, out of the air. But they love the the uh, the, the the biggest the thing is going to be the nectar from the type of flowers that they love, and there's there's many, and they they will move around and get nectar. And the reason that probably in about another two or three weeks, they're really going to be start coming around from your neck of the woods up north and moving down to head across the. Uh, uh, the the waters t- towards South America. They're native, of, the native of the Americas, and so for the winter, that's where they head. And in one trip, of 500 miles. Wow! I mean, you know, you look at that, and that's uh, impressive. Right, I- exactly. And so uh, they eat now on the way in the air. You think? No, they have to. That and that's part of the the. the Supplying the food they want, they have to build up enough to uh, make. It. I'm sure there's insects they grab, but really, it's they're going to beef up and they got to make that trip, and and so they got to fuel up. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of insects over wide open water. I, I, I would, yeah. I would yeah. think not. Certainly not a lot. You're right, uh, but they they use it, and that's when the that's when the that's when it really gets fun. You set all these, uh, uh, you know, these hummingbird feeders out. You know, having a combination of the feeders and the, and the plants is the best situation to get in there. And once you start to get the uh, hummingbirds, they're very, they have a good memory. And so they'll come back uh, every year to the same spot. And um, they'll live about five, seven years is their lifespan. And, uh, but but the, uh, the offspring will, will come back as once, you, once you get them going. But you've got to set that up. And so planting flowers is a great way to do it. And to get it started, but hanging the feeders. Feeders, you know, if you got if you had a feeder this summer and they were using that feeder, it was so hot, Jeff. You'd literally have to change that every day, because not only the, does the nectar get too hot, but you know, within a few days, it would actually start to mildew. Uh, yeah, I noticed that when I had a feeder once. Right. So you want to, as temperatures start to get cooler, and if you don't have them direct sun, you can keep for several days. But but, but until then. Uh, uh, you want to keep you, you want to keep them clean. Remember, algae and all that uh, will build up. But and, and again, you're trying to attract something. So the cleaner, the fresher it is. People know because that's when you watch them and they go into trees. They actually have nests in in the trees. They're a little small. I mean, very small. 
uh, nest, and they'll lay the eggs in there, and they're hard to find, but they'll make nests out of out of pretty much anything, even, even as much as spider webs. They'll make their nests. So it doesn't take much for them to make them. They're very difficult to find simply because they're, they're, uh, the nests are very small. You know, the neat thing about hummingbirds too, Jeff, and, and we've all seen it, is it, it's, it, I don't know if it's the only bird that can fly upside down and go straight up and down. And mm. I guess the uh, – the defense department ought to really look at those those things and see how they maneuver uh, because their their maneuverability is really they can stop and go straight up straight down and uh, it's kind of it's kind of different and they and they uh, you know, and I was reading before I came up here is the uh, I believe the 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 wings I don't know how much they do let me see if I can find it how much they can flap in a second it's it's really f- phenomenal. Uh, it, several hundred times in a second, Jeff, those mm. wings will flap, which is hard to fathom. But uh, um, they do it. You watch them enough, you can see that they do it, but it's hard to fathom. Some of the plants that they like, and the biggest one that people will plant is salvias. And, of course, you have the annual salvias, which is one that people plant. They stay, the annual salvias get about 12 inches tall. Most of them are red and white, as well as the perennial salvia. The perennials are much bigger. They'll get about 24 inches tall, real real airy, and they'll shoot these long uh, spikes. And, again, different colors. It's kind of a misnomer. Uh, hummingbirds do not have to have red to attract them. It's just that, that's, a, that's false. Uh, it's mainly the, the, the nectar. The nectar, but is there any reason to do it red? No, other other than the fact that uh, it'll look good to you. Okay. Uh, no, they will. They are attracted to uh, any of it. But salvias are the most, the actually the most prominent plant. But like we're fixing to plant petunias in the fall. But remember, most of them are leaving. And but bee balm is another one. Cardinal flower, zinnias. But they'll go to uh, 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 lantana, um, uh, uh, the uh, uh, shrimp plant. In, like I have shrimp plants in my house, but they're the, the, the yellow type. Hummingbirds love them. They'll go straight to that. So it's really more to do with the nectar than it is to color. And uh, um, they perform they perform really, really good. Most of these plants will come back. The perennial salvia will. The annual salvia will not. But you want to start, if you're trying to do it, you do want to start to incorporate uh, uh, different plants that will attract the hummingbirds because they will start to, like I said, they will come back from from year to year, and if you if every year they come back, uh, they do prefer the plants over the um, the, the nectar that you put in the uh, feeders. Uh, but uh, if you start to get a bunch, the feeders will help them a lot because it's basically in, instant food, instant uh, uh, energy, and uh, it works real good. Same thing with the the the, uh, the color on the uh, the nectar itself. You know, they used to. Uh, coming just with the red uh, food coloring not anymore uh they'll have it just clear and you just put in the bottle and i bought this hummingbird feeder <clears throat> jeff you know how normally you'd have the flowers down here are right. red and these are yellow and so there's different color feeders so don't be too uh you know if, if you want a different color hummingbird feeder it doesn't have any red on it not a problem I, i'm guessing those flower shaped things are not just for decoration they try and trick the hummingbird into thinking it is a flower, right? And and the way it's set up, see, like this humming this hummingbird feed that you're looking at, Jeff, is 
the reservoir is at the base and the flower is, is uh, kind of uh, looking upwards uh, as opposed to hanging down. And right. some of them will leak. And so this, this hummingbird feeder cannot leak because the, the reservoir is at the base. And so they put their beak into it, and so it's not going to leak. Where some of them are made, and there's different. We have some that, that generally will not leak that the flower is more upright and somewhat hanging, and the hummingbird still goes into it. But, yes, it, uh, uh, it, the, uh, the nectar is actually in the reservoir at the bottom. Uh, you can make your own nectar, too. Uh, you know, I think it's one part sugar to four parts water. You dissolve it, uh, you know, over the stove and, and just don't add the food coloring. You know, th- these other ones will have uh, food coloring in it, but it's more of a, I guess, a, a, a non- it won't kill the hummingbird, but it's the, the the food coloring is not as healthy for them. So oh, okay. just don't just don't put it in. And remember, they'll go to it no matter what. So it's really not a a, a big issue. Is any nutritional value other than the sugar? Uh, no, but that's a big that's a big one for the, uh, yeah. the hummingbird. Yeah, that gives them the energy to to flap those wings a hundred times a second or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, in which they uh, we can't do it. The most common one is the ruby red throated. That's the common one you see. There's there's literally hundreds of species out there, but that's the one you see the most. And again, in about another couple of weeks, Jeff, depending on weather, what's occurring up north, you'll start to see have a big push for them. And so you want to kind of get ready for them. If you want, this would be the time to try to attract them. Uh, and they are territorial, so you don't want to hang a bunch uh, together. Now, eventually, if you want, if you had, uh, you know, you know, several hundred hummingbirds, you could you could group with three feeders together, and then maybe you know, ten, fifteen feet away, put another grouping of it. But for right now, you'd want to just kind of hang them and just keep them separate until the quantities increase. And then also you don't want to put it too low. In other words, you got to worry about cats and things like that getting to it. So you want to get the hummingbirds off the ground, uh, you know, five or at least five or six feet off the ground where you can watch them get to the feeder but not have it so low that other critters might be able to uh, to get to the hummingbirds. And so just look out for them. They're coming. It will not be long that uh, that they'll they'll be around. And it'll be for a short period of time. So they'll be around for maybe three, maybe four weeks, Jeff, but, but they really will give you a show, and then they take off. Some will always stay. And what I found out through the years, Jeff, is that, uh, is that even we get those cold days, they can survive. They go basically dormant. They, they kind of, um, you know, almost to a state of death where they just, you know, look very, you know, low, 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 low energy level, and they just go dormant. And then when the temperature warms up within, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, they're raring to go. So normally I thought if you kept them, you know, obviously you don't want to keep them. They, they, they need to go further south. However, uh, they do survive the, the last two extremely cold winters where the, the freezing temperatures were sustained and uh, they were able to survive. So kind of keep that in mind. The other thing I want to talk about, Jeff, is uh, one that I'm just finding out uh, through – uh, you know, experience is that uh, kale. We talk about this several times. Kale was never a seed we sold of any amount, uh, any amount. But since uh, people are coming more uh, aware of healthy foods, kale has really become real, real popular. And um, the reason I'm talking about it today is that uh, it is one that actually oversummered extremely well, which 
I'm sure the listeners realize this was a tough summer. It was hot. It, it was extremely you hot. You may have noticed. And extremely dry. I did notice. And uh, but this thing, and I really would have thought it would have, it would have, it would, wouldn't have made the summer. Really? Uh, yeah, it's a cool season. Generally, a cool season. Uh, Similar to other cabbages and yeah, leafy it's, it's things. A, right. And so this can be grown uh, certainly in the wintertime, but it it can also be grown in the summertime. So it's it's one of those. One of those greens, people are always looking for greens, and the other ones, uh, it, the other big green is going to be the uh, the uh, Swiss chard. And that's another one that does really well uh, in the summertime. I don't know how well it did uh, in terms of this summer, but normal summers they will do. So if you're looking for a green that will grow in the summer, kale is a good one, Swiss chard is another one. But kale took the abuse and actually uh, performed extremely well. It can Take the cold, so it's a good one that you want to grow in the wintertime also. So it's a, it's a way of keeping greens while people are always looking for lettuce. I mean, kale, you know, it can be used in salads. It can, they use them in smoothies. Uh, they use them, they'll make chips out of them and put them in the oven and make kale chips. And uh, So it's a lot of uses for kale. And uh, uh, so I'm on my kale soapbox today. And uh, but, but anyway, it's, it's a good one. It's easy to germinate. Uh, uh, it's it's not like some of the other like Swiss chard can be a little bit more difficult to germinate. This will this will uh, you, you plant it very shallow in the ground and within five to seven days if you keep it damp, uh, it'll start to germinate and uh, again much easier than some of the other ones. So it's an easy one to do. You can plant them in clusters. They'll get about uh, twelve eighteen inches tall and they'll get bushy. So you can keep clipping the the leaves and they'll come back with more leaves and eventually it will go to seed on you which basically means it's bolting and you'll have to replant. But it'll go a whole season, and so it's uh, worthwhile. The other one that I bought in, and we talk about this all the time, but beets and people having, this is very normal, having trouble germinating, getting the beets to germinate. And, again, the beet seed itself is actually a husk that's in the, and the seeds are inside the husk. So when you buy your beet seed, and same thing for Swiss chard too, uh, what you're looking at is the exterior husk, and the seed is inside the husk. So you can see, Jeff, if that husk would dry out and get hard, the seed inside it would be hard to germinate and penetrate that husk. So you've got to keep it very soft. Some people, especially for a small garden, uh, will actually take these seeds and soak them in water I was overnight. Say, that seems like a reasonable thing, right? Yeah. And it softens. The biggest issue with it is that uh, they're a little bit harder to plant because uh, they're wet, and and so they're harder to plant. So if you're doing, you know, fifty feet, it's not not as practical. But if you're doing a very small, uh, you know, raised bed or box garden, that works really really good. Soften the seed up and then go plant it. And you know, there's other things they'll do. They'll they'll call uh, uh, scarification. They'll take a a, 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 a um, the sand uh, uh, sandpaper, and they'll rub this against the sandpaper to kind of crack that husk. That works also, and uh, you just don't want to do it too much. But it works. I mean, I've seen people you know put a little Clorox in the water and only put it in, in the water for maybe fifteen minutes just to kind of break that thing. But the easiest and the safest is overnight over water at room temperature, and uh, and then go out and plant them. Once they are planted, uh, you keep it extremely wet. You don't let it dry out. It'll get very seed inside it will not uh, will not penetrate. Can you plant uh, beets now? You can, 
But just like all the other cold crops that we just started with the cabbage and the brock and all that, uh, you got to you can't let them dry out. And so, and this kind of weather is perfect because your days are overcast; it's not getting too hot. But you know, it's going to get hot again. We'll get these sunshiny days, and that's going to be an issue. So, um, just 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 don't let them dry out. So so you know, people are starting to plant, and that's not an issue. Keep it wet, and they will they will be fine, even if it does get hot. But you don't let it dry out, and that's when problems occur. Uh, one other plant people are looking for, Jeff, is the tomato, the fall tomato plants, right? Remember, we always say you plant them in the late summer, and they produce in the fall, so it's getting late. You know, we have older plants that are actually flowering. You can plant that now, but you can't start with the smaller ones because you just don't have enough time. Your day length is getting shorter. Uh, even though you may get the growth rate out of them, you're not going to get the uh, um, the flowering. The flowering is not going to come early enough. And just, so you want to start with more of an adult plant. If you to this stage, Jeff, you'd want to put a plant pot shelf. That allows you, like last year, we got that freeze in December. It was a tough one, though. Anybody who had a tomato plant in the ground or in a raised bed that that had to, you had to cover it, it wasn't going to be enough. Uh, it was too sustained, so it killed it. But if you had it in a pot, you just bring that pot inside. And really and truly, Jeff, if you bought inside for three, maybe four days, that was it. January, February, and March, you were fine. And you would have made tomatoes, and people did, made tomatoes all went along. They were going to be smaller, uh, but just as tasty. Uh, but they won't get as big because your day length is so short. And so they just don't get as big. And uh, But in terms of, you know, taste, uh, you know, it's much better than buying those uh, winter tomatoes uh, in the store that basically have grown in greenhouses mm-hmm. and just doesn't have the uh, the taste that gotcha. all the other stuff has. Still, we, we're still a bit early on the uh, flowers. We're going to start next week with some of the stuff that can grow early, which is kind of petunias. And when I say you can grow early, you just got to watch. You don't want to start with pansies and snaps. It's way, way, way too early because what will happen is, let's say you get a week like this and you plant them, Going to get some more heat, and that'll come in, and and they will just whether you keep them wet or not, they will just melt. So you want to kind of be careful, but we'll start with things that you can kind of get an earlier start, as long as you're not planting a lot of them. And then as time progresses, and usually start first week of October, we'll fill it up with the hopefully cool season stuff, and cool season hopefully will be here, and uh, so that would be important. Of course, mums, pretty confident we'll start with mums. Uh, next week, and the moms can take the heat. Just got to keep them really wet, so they love the heat. No matter what the temperature is, you got to keep them wet. Ex- exactly, moms. Moms yeah. in the containers that they come in were really grown in small containers. They're full of roots, so you're going to have to water those things every day and water them really well to make those. Uh, but the, you know, moms are traditionally the fall. You know, the fall plant, and uh, and they'll bloom for you all all the month of October and look really really good. And so look out for that. And, uh, you know, fall won't be long, Jeff. It's just uh, we're just going to have to wait. I'm hoping that uh, we can uh, get the fall here early this year. If you remember correctly, last year we didn't get really mild temperatures to the middle of October. So if we can somehow maybe just eke, uh, you know, maybe some low 70s. I'd take the mid to upper 80s. If if it were consistently through uh, the next couple of weeks, I'd take that. Yeah, Jeff, you're right. I mean, you know, I'm looking, we're looking now at these temperatures, and boy, we're saying, we're looking at mid-90s, and man, that's nice. That tells you something. And, and it really, I'm, I'm catching myself saying mid-90s. I'm, t- I'm saying that's nice, and it is. Um, but you're right. Well, give me the mid-80s, I'll take it. There you go. Richard, anything else before we let you go? Jeff, that's it. 
All right. Appreciate you coming by as always. Yet, um, do you do anything different around festival weekend? I know it's not this weekend, but next. But No, more traditional. We'll have the mums and we'll have hay. And, uh, so it's more the traditional stuff, but it still can be very early. Uh, you know, we've had some really hot festival weekends, so we could have color. We may not. It depends on what Mother Nature does. Gotcha. Always a pleasure, Richard. We'll look forward to the next time.